We're rolling, man. People are... It's kind of an aggressive show on the text line. I like it. Uh, Mississippi State was not aggressive coming out of the uh, tunnel and starting the game on Saturday against the Auburn Tigers. Auburn was. They definitely took it to them. That surprised me. I thought uh, State would have some more teeth, mojo, juice, all that stuff. Grit, electricity. We are the Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. We're powered by Napa Auto Parts, your locally owned Napa Auto Parts store, I-55 North in Jackson, locally owned Reggie Sims and the crew, Um, only parts company that's locally owned in the Jackson Metro. They have six of them, seven on the way. Napa Auto Parts store, brand new, I-55 North in Jackson. And... We are driven by your next Ford F-150 at Mack Hike Ford. Again, I-55 North and Jackson. Not but a mile away from each other. And uh, find the Ford F-150 that fits your lifestyle, work and play at Mack Hike Ford, I-55 North and Jackson. We welcome in Steve Robertson on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Um, Boneyard Podcast, Jeans Page 247 Sports. Uh, Steve, were you surprised at how lethargic Mississippi State was out of the gate on Saturday? Oh, absolutely. You know, especially on the defensive side of the football. And and, and listen, give Hugh Freeze and, and, and Auburn some credit. I mean, you know, they came out, they had a good game plan, and, and State simply couldn't get off the field. And you look up, and it's 14-3, to and it feels like the game's getting away from you. That's the one thing State can't do. I mean, when you're not explosive on offense, you cannot get into a situation where you're chasing the game. And Really, Bo, I'd say I thought the, the most significant part of this entire ball game was really how the things were managed at the end of the first half. You know, State has a chance there to pull within the score and kind of go two for one possession-wise, right? I mean, you're, if, you, if you can, you know, run a good four-minute drill, get in the end zone, you know, it's a 17 to 10 ball game. You get it first coming out of the half. I mean, you could potentially be in a tie ball game on the road with a little bit of juice, but instead, uh, State can't pick up a fourth and one. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, Bo, we, we – been around football a long time. When you can't get a yard, you don't deserve to win. And that's what it boiled down to. In that situation, if State gets a yard, maybe you get an end zone there. It's a different conversation today. But I uh, thought Mike Wright pulled it when he should have let the let Seth Davis have it. Sure. And uh, slips and falls. And then Auburn, and, and I, I turned to uh, Justin Frommer next to me, and I said, if, if Auburn has any juice, they're going to do everything they can to put this game away right here on the possession. And sure enough, you look up, you know, uh, 68 yards later, it's a 24-3 ball game. And it, for all intents and purposes, the game was over at that point. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the final score is going to be. So, you know, that gets mismanaged. Next thing you know, uh, you know, the game's over and everybody's having to answer some difficult questions this morning. Yeah, they are. All right, so that takes me to the, the fan base is uh, not in a good spot. Let's just call it. Well, you know that. You see your board. Um, and you're you're in the heat of the battle, just like we are. And the fan base is is not happy, and the the South Carolina deal is going to loom large. Um, Saturday, yeah, I mean, you had a chance to win the game going into the game, I guess, but you just you needed to lose. I mean, you need to play well if you were going to lose, Steve, and lose twenty seven twenty four, right? So this takes us to. Um, I like Zach Arnett. You like Zach Arnett. He's made some good decisions. Bottom line is. Steve, you can name Matt Brock the defensive coordinator. You can't let Matt Brock run the defense, and he and others should have known that. Your thoughts? 
Well, I think when you look at it at its core, you know, it's like you look at this, you get, you know, first-year head coach. Uh, you got a first-year defensive coordinator. You got a first-year offensive coordinator. We talked about making good decisions, right? I mean, it's like, you know, everything in the offseason, Zach made a good decision. But at the end of the day, it boils down to what, what do you do on the football field? You know, you, you don't get any points for, uh, you know, for, for the press conference. And, and, and I think that's the big part of all this, too, is, you know, when you look at this is a veteran team with a very favorable schedule and you're fighting to get to be bowl eligible. I think that's what really fans are really so up in arms about. It's like, you know, operationally, there were just some things on Saturday. You know, maybe you put up with in week one with a new staff, but you don't do it in week eight. I mean, you, you had some plays where, you know, you had Zevion Thomas was out there blocking for a pass that's on behind him, you know, out in the no man's land. You know, you have two receivers. Yeah, collide. so who do you think that was on? Do you think that was on? Because Mike Wright looked ex- exasperated. So, do you think that was Xavion messed up or Mike Wright messed up on that play? I think your coaching staff messed up because you've got to drill that out. There can't be a situation where you get in a ball game and people don't fully appreciate what they're supposed to do, what they're supposed to be. You know, I mean, that's, those are the kinds of mistakes that just people just simply find unbelievable. You know, if, if that happens in week one against Southeastern, you, you kind of write that away. But, you know, when you've had months and months of practice, and you just this simply can't happen. I mean, and and that's what it boils down to. It, it should never boil down to a situation where we're trying to decide who who messed up the worst here on this play, because as a staff, you got to ensure that happens. There's always going to be some measure of human error. I mean, it's just kind of life in general. But but the reality of it is, is in a game like this on the road, when you've got a winnable non uh, winnable SEC road game, you can't go out there and make mistakes that you shouldn't be making in spring practice. Steve Robertson on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Um, okay, so Will Rogers, if you had to bet $100, will, will Will Rogers start Saturday night at 630 against Kentucky? I, I don't know if I'm ready to make that bet, but I would say the odds of that happening are probably better than they were uh, Saturday at 10 a.m. You know, uh, listen, knowing Will Rogers the way that we do, Will Rogers wants to play, and and I I can I can assure you I probably probably without any reservation that nobody's more upset right now than Will Rogers, and it, it's there's not much he can do at this point, right? I mean, he has to just kind of sit there and watch the team that he helped build and a team that he loves and you know a staff that he's very loyal to struggle, and he's been unavailable. And, and I can tell you that that kid, no matter what people think about it, Will Rogers is, is an incredible young person and uh, a very fiery competitor. He wants to be out there. So if he is physically released and capable of playing on Saturday, yeah, he'll play. It's just going to be a matter of what the medical staff d- decides to do. And, and let's be honest about it. You, you don't want them uh, to cut any corners with a young man's health. But I can promise you, if Will Rogers is able to play this Saturday, he will be out there and give Mississippi State fans absolutely all he can and hopes maybe salvage something out of the season. Would you say this is a must-win for Arnett and the staff? Well, I think every game's a must-win. Um, and I think that's, the thing that's so frustrating about this deal is when you, you get into the month of November, you know, you'd like to already be bowl eligible or maybe, you know, a win away, and you're, you're game behind that. And, um, yeah, I think you probably look at this. You have to approach it this week in practice that we have no margin for error. Uh, you, you know, you certainly look at you got a road trip to A and M, and even though State's had some success down there, I mean, offensively, State's been much better in these recent trips to College Station than they appear to be today. Uh, and then you got, you know, they got the big rivalry game with Ole Miss coming in here, and, and I, I don't know. There's even even the truest of the true maroon would take State to win that ball game right now, based uh, on what you've seen. No, yeah, 
And so you start looking at it in that respect and say, okay, well, we feel like we can beat Southern, and, and that's no guarantee either. That They fought really hard over the weekend. There are no guarantees on this schedule and no gimmies. So you have to approach every game the rest of the game, rest of the season like it is a must-win game in every aspect. Because in se- several situations like this, Bo, it certainly has been. I, I think where they are now is um, people are looking for answers, and there is no answer. There's not going to be an answer this year. That That's where I am, Steve. They are yeah, what they are. They're not a good football team. Um, they need a dual-threat playmaker at quarterback to run anything outside of the air raid. They don't have it. Um, on defense, they've been a true. How do you how do you allow Peyton Thorne to look like Peyton Manning or Josh Allen? How, well, I mean, how do you do I that? I said this on, in our little video wrap up on Saturday. I mean, it's like the, you know the names change, but the details really don't. You know, because every quarterback that State has faced with rare exception this year has had like a season best completion percentage. You know, and that's that's a symptom of a bigger problem. And you know, in all due respect to Peyton Thorne. You know, when when you're out there just kind of dinking and dunking and only taking a couple shots down the field against a secondary that's been very leaky this year, uh, you should have a good day against this defense. And I, I think that's the thing that's so frustrating for state fans is that, you know, you just simply can't get off the field. And, again, you look up against a, an Auburn offense that's been very pedestrian this year, and, and still they're not scoring a ton. But uh, the you know, reality of it is is that you, you should have been able to get off the field. I, I ran the numbers yesterday against Auburn, you're more likely to have Auburn turn the football over on their initial drive of the game than you are to see them score. And so for only the second time this year, Auburn took the opening kickoff right down the field and scored. And the only other time was the opener against UMass. And uh, that's very good. Good hell. That's awful. Okay. Well, all right. So, um, yeah. And I think some of this also is is zero impact in the portal. And and I think the Mississippi State alums are going to have to decide, Steve, if, and this is the way I framed it up to some people last week, do they like the idea of winning or do they want to win? I mean, it's pretty simple. And look, you can't, you know, you can't go out and get, 15 starters, 20 starters, whatever. You can get some guys who can play. But it comes down to you, you got to go get a quarterback and land on three to five guys, split up on both sides of the ball, and then you can be competitive. Uh, they've got to decide if they want to invest it because they raised $2 million in five seconds, as you know, for the basketball team. And so they've got to decide if they want to win or if they like the idea of winning. How do you see that? Well, I agree with you, and and I think that's a big part of things. Is uh, there are a lot of people that just look at this as entertainment, right? And if that's how you look at it, there's really not a lot of emotional engagement. But there are a lot of other Mississippi State people out there that I mean, I hate to say it, but in many respects, this is one of the biggest facets of their life. You know that they come to everything, they buy season tickets, that they're they're invested in everything we do. I mean, you just see every time like. Uh, you know, a soccer team gets a big win, you know, overall miss in the Magnolia Cup, and you've got people that you would never associate with soccer out there talking trash because of the fact it's Mississippi State. It's not a, a sport. It's a university. You know, it's a uh, it's a family, and to those people. And uh, there's just not enough of them, you know. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and be critical of the fans because they obviously didn't make uh, any of those mistakes uh, over the course of the last couple of weekends. But I think when you look at this thing, you know, yeah, you're kind of at a, at a crossroads here, and you got to decide, okay, what are we willing to accept as a Mississippi State fan base? You know, what are we willing to do? 
And uh, well, I think no, I think I think that's what the leadership's going to have to decide because if if they move off Arnett and and um again, I'm not blaming Zach for what happened in December, but this is a huge business for me. I mean, it's over a hundred million dollar business for the Startville area and Mississippi State student recruitment, all the whole thing. Um, the bottom line is they're going to have to decide, you know, if they, if they Joe Moorhead this, uh, and go cheap like they did after Mullen and, and, and sign a coach for $2.8 million a year, um, and bring in an offensive coordinator with a whopping two years of power five experience, or are they going to go out and try to get up there? I mean, they've got the money they could pay. I mean, if they had a coach winning right now, they could pay 9 million a year easily, but are they going to go start somebody at like six or 7 million a year? and pick a guy from Power 5 or a guy that has Power 5 experience. Do you agree with that, Steve? I do, and I think that's one of the things that does give me some comfort level with this. You know, Zach Selman comes from a football family. You know, Zach Selman was a Power 5 football player. Uh, Nobody needs to explain to Zach Selman the importance of college football, and and I think that helps. I think he has some connections that perhaps, uh, you know, maybe some other people connected to Mississippi State don't, you know, because of the fact that he is – you know, kind of died in the wool football guy. You know, he didn't show up here as Johnny Baseball. Now he understands that baseball is a big deal to us, but he understands football is the moneymaker, and you got to take care of football. Uh, and so, in that respect, I think in the event state does make a decision, I do think Zach Arnett will go out and make a bit higher. I don't think it'll be a situation where you where you just try to do things that are you know economically, as you know, scared money doesn't make money, Bo. And and if you get you approach it like, okay, well, yeah, we could probably go six and six and seventy five with this guy. I think most Mississippi State fans want to win at the highest level. I think people are willing to pay a little bit more. I mean, the, the bottom line is uh, I think Zach is a guy that will make good decisions kind of moving forward. And, and you better believe if he elects to retain Zach Arnett, it's going to be because he's done his due diligence and has a has a comfort level moving forward that maybe other people don't fully appreciate. But I don't think Zach Selman's going to make an emotional decision about anything. And the elephant in the room is Ole Miss is rolling. They're 7-1. and one. They have a good football coach, regardless of what people want to think about him, and it doesn't matter, 10, 12 years ago. He's grown up. He's got a hell of a defensive coordinator. He's got a good staff, He knows, and he embraced the NIL from the jump, got his alums motivated well over 24 months ago, and that is a big piece of the puzzle too. Right, Steve? Yeah, I think it always has to be. Nothing gets the other – side and a rivalry motivated more than success right i mean and it doesn't matter who it is right i mean so when state's doing well old miss is like hey we got to keep pace and and you know the the roles reverse here but nobody's ever going to let their rival leave them in the dirt you know that that it's a motivating factor especially with your donorship right i mean because they're the ones that have to put up with it right and so those are the people that get on the phone those are the people that bend the ear of the administrators and say hey uh, we got to do this. We got to do that. And here's how I'm committed. And here's who all's coming with me. But uh, yeah, that, that, it, it's always a factor. And those that suggest it's not are just being short-sighted. What? All right, you 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 follow recruiting big time. Two four seven Sports Jeans page. Steve Robertson. Um, you're looking at about the last five classes that you haven't gotten anything special. So I've said this, and I know he didn't play a lot because of the suspension. Um, but Willie Gay was the last special player you signed. So what is it? Let, let's look at it this twofold, Steve. They they haven't hit on a Bernardrick McKinney where you find a guy, take 
you know, five lefts and two rights in rural Mississippi who's overlooked but has all the potential in the world. And I won't go with the unicorns, Simmons and Fletcher and Chris Jones. They haven't signed a K.J. Wright, who was highly recruited, but but isn't in that unicorn state. So they are going out on class after class after class under Moorhead and Leach that they haven't hit on a dude. How concerning is that to you as somebody who knows just about every player in the top 50 in the state that's capable of going to play Power 5 or G5, Steve? Well, I think a lot of that's got to do with, uh, you know, attrition with the coaching staff. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, Dan Mullen leaves and takes everybody with him, and you bring in Joe Moorhead, a guy that had absolutely no connections to the recruiting footprint. Zero. And he brought a bunch of other guys that have no connections to the recruiting footprint. All right, see, he's out. So then you bring in Mike Leach, and, you know, you know my, my feelings about Mike Leach, right? I mean, obviously, Mike did a great job. You know, one of the first things he did when he got here is, uh, you know, get a four-star quarterback lined up, right? And, of course, they all left when, when Mike passed away. But, you know, Mike comes in, and, again, it's not a lot of guys that, that are they're familiar with the recruiting footprint, you know. And so now with Zach, you've got a, guy, a bunch of guys that are, but you're kind of playing from behind. And I, I thought about this last night. You know, it's just like, like from the defensive line, when his state – really had a difference maker. Yeah, we know about Simmons, and we know about Montez Sweat. You know, but when, when his state really had a difference maker? I mean, Cam Young had a great career at Mississippi State, but I don't think anybody was ever game-planning against no. Cam Young. Had that guy that changes the complexion of a football game where people have to find this guy in every pre-snap read. And, and yeah, you've got to have some special dudes, especially on defense. And, and yeah, yeah Makai Polk had a great year here. You know, it was kind of a rent-a-player deal where he comes in for a year and sets a school record and then uh, leaves before he should have. Uh, but, yeah, you've got to have some dudes that are special. And I, I would argue that Woody Smarts has some, has some special qualities about him, too, that the issue's just been getting him and keeping him healthy. You know, that's the real issue. But defensively, you've got to have guys up front. And that's kind of been – you know, the calling card for Mississippi State over the years is that, you know, they always had one or two guys up front basically every year that had pro potential. You know, guys that NFL scouts were, were drilling over. And I don't know if you've got anybody on the team that you, you can honestly say that about. I mean, you know, Crumity's a guy that will likely get drafted late. Uh, but is Crumity that guy that keeps offensive coordinators up at night? Yeah, no. I don't know that he is. So, yeah, you've got to find a way to go get some special players. And if you can't go recruit them, you got to develop them, which is what Dan Mellon did a great job of when he was here. Yeah, no, Dan did. And and that's the difference you just described. Mullen to Moorhead and, and Freeze to Luke is Moorhead had no ties and no clue. And even though it was a disaster when Freeze resigned, Matt Luke knew recruiting. He's from the coast. He'd been at Ole Miss forever. And so he and Derek Nix and Peeler didn't miss a beat, and that's why they were able to keep the uh, the talent rolling at the level. And give Longo and Luke credit for going and getting Matt Corral out in L.A. after Mullen dropped him. So that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here. I actually think they may have to beat Kentucky Southern Miss and Ole Miss um, to to extend this thing. And with Texas and Oklahoma coming in next year, Steve, and I know Texas doesn't win like they should, but I know you saw over the weekend, uh, over the last seven days, they landed two more highly, highly touted recruits. And, you know, you got to go to Texas next year and play. You, everybody believes you're going to go to nine conference games, which will be brutal on state and Ole Miss and Arkansas, South Carolina type programs. They got to figure it out sooner than later. Oh, there's no question about it. You know, and we, and we can debate so much of that and, and kind of, 
drill down the details. But the bottom line is there's got to be a commitment made to football. And, uh, and, and I think that's from everybody. I mean, that's from, you know, from Keenum to the fan base to Selman to everybody all the way down is, you know, that, that's what drives the bus, right? And, and we, we, you and I talked, you know, off the radio last week. I mean, just like how crazy it was that the first 55 meetings between State and Auburn, only 11 of them were on Mississippi soil because the administration sold those games to try yeah. to find department and put our football team at a competitive disadvantage and the same thing with LSU and, and some others. I mean, you know, I'm sure at the time they thought they were making the right decision, but really what they did is kind of uh, maybe undermine the tradition of this program, you know, and, and we can go back to the Alan McKean area, you know, again, you've got people involved with football that shouldn't be. I mean, you, you've got to make a commitment to football and you've got to make sure that uh, the coaches are put in a competitive situation where they can uh, put a great team on the field. And, and I don't know that we're there. And I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, and then I saw some numbers on your page, uh, the gap between spending, like what Mississippi State spends in football compared to Ole Miss and Arkansas, and that blew me away, um, too. I mean, that that's a sizable gap, and yet um, Mississippi State and Ole Miss Athletic Department, as far as revenue, mirror each other. Now, Arkansas's a little bit bigger, but it's not some kind of, oh, Steve, Georgia-type gap, if you will. So yeah, I think the commitment's got to start start on campus, and because uh, I think the fans have committed the last since Dan got there, started committing it with Cheryl, but definitely in, invested with Dan. But now they've got to figure out the NIL piece and if they if they want to win, it only takes about six players. One of them's got to be a QB, um, and and you know you can be competitive again because you've got some athleticism. You know more than I do in that freshman and sophomore class. You don't have enough athleticism in the, you know, junior, senior, super senior class, but you've got some athleticism in the freshman and sophomore class. All right, Steve, I hope you keep everybody uh, under control on jeanspage.com. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, thanks. See ya. All right, Boneyard Podcast, Steve Robertson on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. They're a three-point dog, Jason, at home against Kentucky. I watched all the Tennessee-Kentucky game. It actually was an entertaining game. Lots of momentum shifts and big plays scoring and, yeah <laughs> actual scoring. yeah i mean it was it was fun to watch late in into the evening along with georgia tech your georgia tech yellow jackets yeah of course this beat um earlier in the year uh they beat uh mac brown does what mac brown does very well they're falling apart at north carolina <laughs> and uh but yeah kentucky is better kentucky's a better team can mississippi state win the game yeah but Kentucky's a better team. And Devin Leary started throwing it a little. You know, Mark Stoops likes to make his quarterbacks, um, you know, not good. Okay? Yeah, okay. But, man, the thing to pound the rock. They're tough in the line of scrimmage. They play defense, you know, nasty, all that. But Devin Leary actually made some plays in the second half for Kentucky through the air. Right. Which is not Kentucky-esque. Yeah. Right? They They're like, more Ray Davis. Yeah, they yeah. like to make their quarterbacks worse. Will Levis, yeah. Devin Leary up until maybe this this game against Tennessee. Now, I don't know if that took the wind out of their sails. Because, you know, obviously they wanted it. It was at home. So we'll see. You, you get a different team every week. It doesn't matter who. Like, Ole Miss went through the motions against Vandy. You don't blame them. I mean, they they had that game won three years ago. But, uh, but Kentucky wanted that game against Tennessee at night at Commonwealth. Hour number three coming up at the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone.